0: Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Stuart Nash. I'm a filmmaker and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office.
1: I'm John Lines, a filmmaker, teaching artist, and the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. This week we have part one of Stu's conversation with the cast and crew of Discovery Channel's new series *Undercover Billionaire*. But before we get to that, this Wednesday at Bourbon Barrel we have the Erie premiere of Claire Denise High Life, plus an Erie Gives Day reminder because August 13th is a big day for area nonprofits. And this year, when you support the Film Society on Erie Gives Day, you will en- enable regional filmmakers to bring their visions to life by helping us create a filmmaker fund. More on that in a moment. Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is our Wednesday night film series. Film
0: Grain is open to the public and takes place at the Bourbon Barrel, located at 1213 State Street, Erie, Pennsylvania. We have a large 16-foot screen, leather couches and table seating are available. There is a buffet with vegetarian options and also gluten-free
1: is available upon request. Table service all night long. This Wednesday, August 7th, we're showing Claire Denis' psychosexual mind-bender, High Life. High Life's about a father and his daughter who struggle to survive in deep space where they live in isolation. It stars Robert Pattinson, Juliet Binoche, and Andre Benjamin. It's directed by Claire Denis. This is rated R, not for kids. This isn't your typical space adventure. Um, personally, I recognize a lot of biblical references like Noah's Ark, Adam and Eve, but this is essentially a bleak, character-driven, dread-filled odyssey that's not interested at all in alien encounters, but more philosophical and societal commentary along the lines of Kubrick's 2001. Claire Denis a fascinating filmmaker. She never pulls punches, and her work is often challenging. Um, I've been very much in a love-hate relationship with her previous films, but here I found a lot to sink my teeth into, and I really enjoyed the experience. Um, hence our first film of hers that we're showing in any of our series, and I look forward to introducing her to our viewers. Buckle up, this one's going to get a little weird. Reserve your seats through Film Society, nwpa.org. Just click events or purchase at the door, doors open Wednesday at 5.30. Buffet dinner will be announced Monday on the Facebook event page. Proceeds benefit the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. Speaking of the Film Society, August 13th is Erie Gives Day, a very important
0: day for regional nonprofit organizations. On Tuesday, August 13th, from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m., you can donate to the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania at eriegives.org. Filmmaking in Erie is on the rise, and one of the biggest obstacles filmmakers face is funding. The Film Society is actively working to create a filmmaker fund, the first of its kind within our region, to assist Erie filmmakers. During the 12-hour Erie Gives Day event, a portion of the pro-rated match pool will be added to each donation you make. So this is a great time to help establish a filmmaker fund and enable our creatives to better translate their artistic vision to the screen. Again, that's the Film Society of Northwestern, Pennsylvania,
1: 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Tuesday, August 13th at eriegives.org. And with that, we now take you to part one of Stu Nash's discussion with the cast and crew of Discovery's new series, Undercover Billionaire, which filmed in Erie earlier this year. You can catch the series premiere this Tuesday at 10 p.m. on Discovery and tune in next week for part two of our conversation.
0: Okay, welcome. Uh, today I'm joined with Glenn Stearns of Undercover Billionaire. We're with Don Van Scoter, Matt Sanders, R.J. Messenger, and Glenn's wife, Mindy. Welcome, everybody. Hello. What's up? Good. Thank Morning. You for having us. Thank you for being here. I am super excited about this. For me, this has been practically 20 months in the making, coming up on two years. I'd like to give a little bit background about the Erie Film Office and what exactly uh, transpired. Um, I was contacted by producers in November of 2017, just like any production calling the film office and they were asking for services liaisoning for local crew locations um meeting municipalities government officials things of that nature like we would do for any production company we welcomed them in that would have been Melinda Sia and Tim Warren at the time and we talked on the phone for literally a year year and a half um I don't think they were boots on the ground in Erie until 2018 where uh, they finally came into town and we started introducing them to people across the board. Specifically being, uh, people I introduced them to was RJ and Matt. I don't want to do all the talking here, so I want you guys to take over, but what I'd also just like to start off with is a little bit of background on you, Glenn. Um, I know there is tons of information out there. Let me just skim over a few things here because basically you failed fourth grade, you were diagnosed with dyslexia, you were a father at age 14, you survived the housing crash of 2007-2008, you're the youngest Horatio Alger recipient, which I'd really love to talk about that uh, organization for a second. I saw your Necker Island project that you did with Richard Branson from Virgin Islands. That was totally cool. Um, I Found out who charlie plum was great speaker and then a couple things too um i want to talk about which i want to start hashtagging cowboy contract mindy you had said that on the ktla interview that aired and that is just a great little catchphrase i think cowboy contract you know it just it just means wholesome integrity and honesty and that's what the horatio alger thing too we'll talk about but its core principles are just i think
2: what enables and embodies the people that are in this room right now We'll take cowboy contract a little bit farther it's it's making a deal on a handshake back the way that it used to be versus having to have tons of lawyers and and all that sort of thing and if you think about it that's a lot about how we did all of this to get to where we are were those Glenn giving us his word, and and we all went with it, and gave a gave him our word as well.
0: Which yeah, what's your take on? Actually, where did you initially hear that, Mitty?
3: I we're kind of cowboys at heart. We live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We have a ranch up in Montana with some friends, and uh, we just know a lot of people and have attracted a lot of people in the business who have lived on a handshake contract. And Glenn has been that way since I've known him. And you know, lawyers are important in business deals, but. At the end of the day, I think the most important thing is believing someone in their word and what they say on face value. And when you shake a hand, you it's a, it's a solid contract, and that's how we've always operated.
0: Excellent. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So, Glenn, I know what I was told, and I know what other people have been told, but why eerie? Why was it chosen to be eerie?
4: What was the whole push behind well, this? What was your idea? As you said, the uh, production company contacted you a year earlier. I had no idea about that. Because I had just uh, thrown it out there, kind of in the universe, that I know I could start over again. The way I did, you know, 30-something years ago and rebuild, I thought that, um, you know, when you look at what's going on lately in, you know, our country with people saying this isn't uh, the greatest country anymore and you can't, you know, do what you used to do, I'd always pushed back and said, I think, you know, we do live in a great country and that there is a lot of opportunity that people are missing out on. And so... I said, I I bet I could start over with nothing and rebuild. And so they uh, took me up on it, the production company, got discovery behind them, and then started to find a place that I'd never been and somewhere that they would just literally drop me off and say, all right, go for it, you know. And so Erie happened to be that place. You know, they had asked me about areas of the country I really hadn't spent any time in, and, uh, you know, I, I told them up near the Great Lakes I'd never really been, and, Few other places, and you know, next thing you know, it's a frozen lake, and I'm, uh, you know, I was in Miami. Uh, you know, five hours later, I'm, I'm sitting, you know, on a frozen lake.
0: Well, there was a false start to the production too, because your cancer had come back a little right. bit out of remission, and then all of a sudden, I thought it was dead in the water. Like so I hadn't on. heard for months, you know, and then all of a sudden, you guys peaked up again, and my first thought, you said frozen lake, was, oh, you guys just picked the worst time to come to Erie.
5: Yeah. Yeah
0: but then i remembered saying that to you and your response was
4: well you know i when i when i think about what happened and uh, i know we're not going to you know go through it all but it started out very cold it started out you know in a place that was foreign and then as the show developed as you know the season started to change you know you saw um, a lot of great things starting to blossom and it's happened the same way uh, you know whether you look at it in a form of uh, winter turning to spring or you look at the show and how we began to develop relationships and, and build a business it uh it happened kind of similarly
0: so you land here in erie I mean, I don't want to get into the details of the story so much because yeah. my big push, and this is again, as the film office, is the uh, uh, outside productions coming into town. So from my numbers, I gathered that there were approximately 25 boots creatives, ground, yeah, right. boots on the ground crew that came in. So that means for three months they were housed at a local hotel, which was the courtyard Marriott down by the water, um, which meant meals three times a day, you know, you name it as far as. So that economic impact of just the 25 people being in town was huge, you know, and it's a great start because that's exactly what the film office is looking to do, is to just keep on having productions come in. Uh, Not to mention, um, there was a request for production assistance and, you know, anybody behind the scenes who could help assist with the um, program. So we started filing in a bunch of students, college students, and I can say that there was like, um, and I'm going to list a bunch of names here in a little bit, but the students who worked just on this one project, have now already gone on to work for MTV Spring Breaks, and I think one of them is now moving on to the comeback show of uh, Jersey Shore. Right. So it's like, and he was a student of mine at the time. That was Jesus Muñoz, uh, and so I mean, it's just phenomenal. The experience, the trickle down, everything that's going on. Um, but let's move on here, and we'll shift over a little bit. Um, anything else fill in there? I mean,
4: well, yeah, actually, um, you know, not just you know the. Um, The amount of uh, food, I guess, or whatever that everybody consumed, but all of the equipment that they rented. I mean, there were so many things that I think there was. uh, They spent, I think, nearly five million dollars on that production, and that was dropped into Erie. So, right, uh, it's you know there was a lot of I think a great impact that the the show had just uh, when you look at it that way. But when you said about people being hired, there was one I stayed. I got sick early on, and I stayed at a motel, and um, the Thunderbird Motel, and... <laughs> stayed there? I, I gave that recommendation, oh too. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> You're and, welcome. Um,
0: there was another one that was just a little bit lower, that's the Erie Motel, but they're out of business okay, right wow. now, and oh that was even God. worse. Well,
4: there Joe is a very nice guy, and uh, I got to meet him, the owner there, and his son was, you know, someone who'd never been to college, but... He said he wanted a job. The film crew hired him, and he's gone on to two other jobs in California. I think in Florida. And that's Joe
0: Mando, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
4: So I mean, all from just being here in Erie, and you know, now uh, they came back to just pick up a few little things. They had some audio issues and things, and and they hired Joe back again. And he said he, he you know, he had a little space because he's on to his next job. But you know, he had never been in in uh, film or you know any of this kind of stuff and so it's nice to see him you know kind of grow from this experience.
2: I think there's an underdog connection there though too because everybody on the show including those students were all open to seeing where it would go. Right. right? And if when you were at the Thunderbird if they had just if you had just been heads down and not talked to you would that have happened probably not right right and same thing with the students they were very open open to all the suggestions and i watched them work with the crew and that's how they got onto those other jobs so uh, we talk about this throughout the show is about attitude and just being ready to jump on those opportunities right. when they show up
4: mike's another one you know on the crew if you remember mike i mean he's a hard worker and and he was there day in and day out and yesterday i saw him over at underdog barbecue you know so it's pretty nice to see mike's guy yeah yeah exactly.
0: yeah yeah He's he lost good.
6: his grandmother during the show too
0: Aww. oh really I didn't know that yeah. wow. I didn't know that either. yeah yeah but it just it just, just goes to show that hard work honesty and determination I mean and I think all the people that basically got involved in this project I mean that's the key factors right there so let's go on to Dawn Don, give us a little bit of background on yourself
6: um what kind of background well you're the
0: owner <laughs> of 920 design
6: yeah and in, in the middle of filming the show I bought my second store um, I bought an antique store in Northeast too, um, so now I have two businesses.
0: Okay, and what do you guys do usually?
6: Um, well, nine twenty, I specialize in refinishing furniture. I'm a furniture artisan, um, and I do some interior design work. And I also hand pour a line of soy candles that I sell in the store. Um, and I will be expanding on that and. The fall, because, you know, wine fest in Northeast, you got to have those wine candles. Of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then... Very important. The antique store um, just happened... I was I was in my, my shop one day painting, and um, the guy who owned the store with his wife across the street came in, and uh, they're like, we're closing. Do you want to buy any of our furniture? And I'm like, what do you mean you're closing? They'd only owned the store a few years, but they were ready for a change, and... Um, He's like, well, it's for sale. And I thought about it and I thought about it. It's been an antique store in our town for 40 years and I couldn't just let it die. So I just walked in the lady next door. She's like, I want to move the cigar shop here. And it's original 1800s building with a gorgeous original tin ceiling. And I'm like, no, I I slapped my hand down and I said, I will go write you a check right now. I am buying the store. So I bought it, I'm rebranding it and it's been going very well. So on top of the show, I've been a very busy lady.
0: And now, and how did you get tied into the show? Who connected you in?
6: Matt did, I think, I guess. Um, He, like, I did Matt's kitchen um, when he lived out in Northeast, and I spent, it it was so weird how it came about, because he messaged me on my business page on Facebook, and we got to talking extensively, and I, my initial, my initial was like, this dude's really easy to talk to oh, my God, I hope he doesn't think I'm flirting with him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, where is this? Because we were getting
6: into some, like, not what color do you want your kitchen cabinets to be, how about your wall, but we were talking about, he was telling me about Team Rubicon and a lot of things that he did, but... And I was like, oh, that's really cool I would love to be involved in that and then I met him and you know we did cool flamethrower things when I came for his console <laughs> yeah, we'll, get to, we'll get to that <laughs> and yeah um, and then I did he just was really fun and easy to work with and I loved I, I met his daughter and like he is a great client and
2: now when I met Don, um, yeah, I saw somebody yeah. with all of this um, Potential and capability, and I saw you know where her store was at at the time. It was off one of the side streets, and her candles were kind of like this little thing on the side. And I just saw all this like, wow, there's all this stuff here. Like, there's there's so much potential, and you know we got to blow that up. So, um, and then she had been working on that as well. So when the when the production crew came into town. Uh, I said, hey, I, you know, I know somebody that does interior design. They just did my kitchen, and you got to come over and meet them. And, uh, and, and it was Dawn, obviously. And, and the production crew actually bought a bunch of candles, and, and they thought it was great. And uh, so are you ready to open a distribution center in California yet? <laughs> there you go. Well,
6: I don't know. As long as Josh Flagg gets me a house, not a foreclosure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Matt, give us a little bit of background on yourself uh, so actually, um, I, I started off in California and then moved, lived in Buffalo for about 20 years before coming to Erie. Uh, one of the big corporations in, in Erie brought me from Buffalo. Uh, while I was in California, around 16, I worked at uh, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, which is also Lucas Films. Right. So that, that kind of got my taste for, for films. I got to work on Star Trek Generations and a, and a few other pretty interesting uh, productions. And then uh, you and I met, I can't remember how at this point I think you just were you heard about the film society and we met for lunch one day at the Erie art museum and one of the things that uh that my best friend and I do is is we like to shoot a lot we we, we're uh uh, firearm instructors and we take people out not shoot film but yeah yeah shoot guns right (laughs) and um and we started talking about you know he and I would watch a lot of shows and he's also in a bunch of different productions and and we just kept seeing all these little things whether it was police or fire or military that people were just getting wrong, and it was, they were easy fixes. And so that's where I really just kept pushing myself on you to say, hey, when they're, when they're doing something, bring us in. It, you know, sometimes it'll be, even be pro bono, just so we can get that extra level of authentic- authenticity. And so that got us into, uh, and of course, uh, Bernadette, my flamethrower, right? Um, Bernadette, and uh, and we use Bernadette. <laughs> yeah, seriously, everybody. Uh, we we brought Bernadette onto uh, John Lyons' production, Unearthed last year, right? And but uh,
0: you were also the armor. So. So yes. were on crew for that.
2: Yep, yep. We brought uh, some of our some of our real firearms on set and, uh, and actually worked with the actors, which was great. Um, took them out to, to our range and, and actually taught them uh, how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when this came along, you connected me with Melinda and, and Tim and drove them around for a few days, making connections, you know, introducing that sort of thing. And really, my whole thought was, I'm just helping you guys out. You know, helping bring a production to Erie. That was my whole focus. Right. And when Melinda said, you know, you're kind of interesting and, and we think we want you on the show, I went, Uh oh, what'd I do? <laughs> Still waters run deep. Yeah, that's right. So and that's and that's how we got involved. And that's, you know, again, that's how we got Don involved because I was I was taking him around, introducing him to different people uh, and that sort of thing.
0: Okay. And then last but not least, RJ Messenger. RJ, you were probably the first person that I introduced anybody to on the production team. So give me a, a little you. bit of back, uh, background about yourself.
5: Um, so I own a clothing company, Iron Empire, uh, here in Erie. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um. That is so okay. not yeah. just. You are that's way it. more than Iron Empire. Yep. Google me. Google yeah, me, no, that's, that's true. Google, yeah, it. um, it's true.
0: I know. You are a humble man. I mean, and uh, but uh, we worked first together on your TEDx talk. Yep. Um, I produced that for you, which was yep. phenomenal. Thank you. Um, it actually got, I think, one of the most hits out of all the TEDx talks that we did. I didn't know that. Yes, it yeah. did. Thank you. Um, I could be embellishing, but who knows? <laughs> uh, um, but. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your acting, or not acting, well, yeah, acting background. You got involved Um, in film, and you went down to L.A. years ago. Yeah. Uh,
5: So, I mean, before Iron Empire, I worked full-time for the city. I was part-time for three years, full-time for six or seven after that, uh, before I retired, I like to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So, during that time, when I was working for the city, with my look and my style, I... Somehow stumbled across um, a movie that I was filming in Pittsburgh called Warrior, and it was like an MMA movie. At the time, I was doing MMA. I thought all MMA movies were cheesy that I've seen, so I said, "Well, let's see what this is about." And I, I show up on set. I'm supposed to be a background extra guy in the gym scene. And on the first day there, before I even started filming, they like yanked me out of like 40 people, and they're like, "All right, you're staying for the next month and a half. You know, do you want to stay?" So that was a fun experience. Um, End up doing a photography book for the movie uh, with, you know, Tom Hardy, Joe Leggerton, some UFC fighters, stuff like that. And so that was fun. Got to go out to LA for the premiere uh, because of my involvement with that. Jay-Z music video um, in New York. I went out for that for a weekend. Uh, that was fun. And I got this. Well, let me just throw this out. Did you ever think he'd be sitting here? <laughs> no.
1: no. No, absolutely not. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no. <laughs>
4: I second that 100% because I
2: mean I never
0: thought this road would take us down this path and that we do all owe it to you, I would say. Um yeah. so uh let me just ask you a few embarrassing questions. Oh dear. Uh Gilligan's Island?
4: <laughs> you know, go ahead, man. Thurston Darling. <laughs> you know, that was interesting because I mean I was just working, you know, and I got a call one day from some random person who said, uh, would I be interested with my wife doing this television show? And there had been an employee of mine that was up for the skipper for that show, The Real Gilligan's Island. He was a big boating guy. Yeah, and uh, he had mentioned our names and gave him our phone number. So we didn't try out for it. We didn't you know, go to L.A. to try to see if we could make it. And they said, we'd really love to see if you'd want to do this. And, and uh, we went up and talked to... Some people in a hotel and just laughed. We didn't care. We we're ready to leave. And they said, "Would you come in this other room?" And in the next room was Sherwood Schwartz, the creator of Gilligan's Island, oh, yeah, yeah. Brady Bunch, and all that. And I think Mike Fleiss, who does The Bachelor. Okay. And they were all in this room watching us. And then they said, "You got to do this show." You know, it's, I didn't realize that's how it works. You know, I thought you stand in a line of thousand people and and um, casting call. Yeah. So we said, "All right, we'll do it," and we did it. And We left
3: our cell phones behind for 30 days and went down to a remote location in Mexico, and it was like a game show type show. It was a combination like the original sitcom combined with Survivor, basically.
0: Okay, I was wondering, because I saw there was like red team, blue team, green team. Well,
3: yeah, I mean, that was a surprise when we first got there. It was like we we were cast as the Howell, like the millionaire and his wife, and then they had other cast members, and we got to this location, and our first surprise was uh, an identical cast who didn't know about us either, and then we all competed to get the positions and the final positions of the castaways and then it became survivor where you would compete for immunity or safety what have you sure. and then you'd go on and compete against each other and then we had then we had to work against each other and we were competing not as a team but as individuals okay and he won Oops. i i came in a close second <laughs> Oops.
4: <laughs> Oops. how was that experience well, um, I slept on the couch for about a week after that, but um Bummer.
0: <laughs>
3: No, you yeah. didn't. It wasn't worse than that horrible <laughs> stick mattress we were sleeping right. on for a month.
4: It nah, was. Awful. It was fun. Stick it, mattress. It was really, I mean, you know, you can't pay for a vacation like that. You know, I'd been working hard, and so to be able to be, you know, everyone else was complaining. It's hot. We're not getting fed right. We were just laying there. Ah, is it nice to (laughs) be? I was probably
3: laying there saying that more. He, this is where his nature comes out. He's extremely competitive and he's extremely he's a thinker. Like he never stopped thinking. Every minute of every day, he was strategizing. Okay, who's our team members? First, it was gather a team. That's what he does. And when you're in business, you gather a team. And that was his greatest strength was to find what people were going to be on his team, who was going to work with us, and that got us through to the final, to the final, final um, three actually. And in the middle, you know, Rachel Hunter was the movie star on our team. And we had some clashes with Rachel because she's a runway model. They don't really have teams. (laughs) It's kind of a hard place to exist in a world that's very cutthroat. And it it created some conflict between us. But in the end, you know, Glenn's strategy and his ability to build teams created a big win for him. And all the money was donated to charity. So he was the first non-celebrity to win a reality game show and donate the money to charity.
4: There you go, so. another first.
6: <laughs> Glenn just likes challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell?
0: Well, drama or conflict equals drama. So, yeah, you know, they're exactly. totally looking for that. So, Minnie, I'm going to focus on you for a second. Uh, you're a former newsie, right? Yeah. I okay. worked at Channel 5 in Los Angeles KCLA? for years. Mm-hmm. Entertainment
3: easy. Tonight, yes. And Good Day, Oregon, yeah.
0: Because I used to work in the news also. I was at the local affiliates up here, worked down at Pittsburgh for a little bit. I was the uh, running gun photojournalist. But um, tell me a little bit about, uh, when did you start? What did you cover? What's Um, what's your biggest story that you felt you ever covered?
3: Well, you know, I was more in entertainment news, so uh, the stories were more about the interviews, and probably my most profound interviews in in my world were with Ray Charles before he died. I got to sit down with him. I was the only reporter in Los Angeles to sit down on a one-on-one with him in his studio. And uh, after the interview, he reached out and he said, "You are just, just a beautiful soul." I mean, it was like, and it was like a beautiful. It was probably the best compliment I ever, s- ever received because he's blind, obviously, and he, you know, saw through any physical physicality. And then he sat down and started playing for me. And the uh, publicist ran out and he said. He has never in the history of ever sat down and done that in an interview. He doesn't play for anybody. He, David Letterman, um, Jay Leno, you pay Ray to play. You know. And he sat down and played for me, and it was a really profound moment. I called my mom. I'm like, oh, my mom, this is the most amazing thing. And then uh, Robin Williams was another one of my most profound oh, I interviews. Look, do you have that online? Probably man? the funniest That's interview so I've ever I've never laughed so hard, and neither did he. He was on the ground. And his publicist said, I've never in 20 years seen him laugh like that in an interview. Because I do animal calls. I got my start on Oprah. I did hear that. Barking and crowing like Chicken, a, rooster. Yeah, it's a rooster. Yeah, that's a rooster. Yeah. So that was my start. And okay. Then it, it it opened a door to have a radio career. And I was in Michigan, had a radio career there for many years. And Mike and Mindy in the morning, many months, that is, went into television and ended up at Entertainment Tonight in Los Angeles and then KTLA for six years and then met Glenn at the end of that, and went on to... <laughs> it <was>
4: all downhill <laughs> another from <there>. <laughs> and
6: Here we are.
0: <laughs> and what's your favorite animal call?
6: Um, I don't know if there's a
3: favorite, but there's a few that are better than others. Oh, I, yeah? Can we get one? Yeah, you I'll have to back <laughs> away from the mic. The one that Oprah really coined me, she called me the rooster lady when she pulled me out of the audience.
4: You've been on five times.
3: Yeah, right. she she featured my life as she, as she followed me from dental hygienist to to radio personality to television less, and then I ended up in a film called The Princess Diaries with Gary Marshall and that like was the like, my favorite movie I am the gym coach you'll see me I'm <laughs> oh that
6: Okay that was the funniest moment I've ever had I'm sorry I
3: get your at the end of this show.
6: Yeah <laughs> no, we're friends on Facebook oh, no. <laughs> we are as of yesterday <laughs> we're finally friends
4: Oh my Go ahead and bark like a dog. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Now
4: you're being cocky.
6: Oh my god, that's so real. (laughs) Anyway,
3: seriously.
0: I'm sure you've been approached for voiceover talent I, then. I
6: did some voiceover.
4: Work.
0: <laughs> I'm sure, exactly. Wow, I mean, yeah, well.
4: We had a place a package Fiji deal. And she would <laughs> end up locking herself in a closet and doing all kinds of voiceovers. Yeah.
3: I did the voiceover for uh, Bridezilla. For a while, that Bride-Zilla. show on coming up next on Bridezilla. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done a little bit of voiceover.
4: So if I say saucy on the meats, what do you say? I say. My wife. My wife. I say scrappy in the streets. Why <laughs> do you ask? <laughs>
0: Just curious. I heard you might have had a little bit of trouble uh, uh, remembering that line at one point.
4: Oh my! How did you know that? But yes, it, I hope that. Uh,
1: <laughs> I <get it. laughs>
4: All right, let me throw one other out at you.
0: Call letters on your plane, the initials. What's that all about?
4: The ones now? I believe so. It's J-E. J-E. Okay. Um, God, I can't remember. There's some guy out there named J-E. Um, no, I, um, We yeah.
3: also are partners in the ranch with John Elway. Yeah. He's a very good friend of Glenn's. John and Glenn are like, I call them twins like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger because John's like (laughs) 6'3". Because they are like the best of buddies. You should see them together. They're just a couple of kids.
4: The egomaniac story is I had a plane. It was a Falcon 2000, and it was uh, N555GS, Glenn Stearns, right? So my buddies would all have planes, and they'd have their wives, and i said, why would you do that? got to be a man. Stand up. I was kind of <laughs> joking. My wife had hit me. So on our boat, we have a helicopter, and it's 555MS. So I named that after Mindy. And then uh, we went around the world and did all kinds of stuff for a couple of years. And, and I sold the plane because we were on the boat the whole time. And I thought, it's a depreciating <laughs> asset right now. Let's just get rid of it. And when we came back last year, um, John had, Elway had a plan. Had this, he bought the same plane. He liked my plane. So he bought it. And uh, he wasn't using it because he uses the NFL's plane most of the time. So um, he says, "Why don't you, you know, buy half of it, and you'll end up getting a good deal because I have to pay half, and I'm not going to use it, you know." So I did, but now I've got his damn initials on the plane. (laughs) I
0: thought that was a pretty cool story, (laughs) and I gotta say, I mean. Like, I'm, again, I wouldn't say nervous, but I'm really excited to the point where I can't actually believe this is happening because I'm sitting down with an individual, and, like, you won your Horatio Auger Award along with your, uh, what'd you say, not graduating class, your accepting class with Leonardo DiCaprio.
4: Is that correct? Him, uh, Roger Ailes. Um, Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg. Anushin Sarri. Byron, Sari, the Byron Trott. Went to Byron Trot, who's an amazing uh, gentleman. Yeah, so there's a lot of great people in our well, class. Do me a favor
0: and talk about a little bit about that because – and let me just – again, I'll talk here just for a second. But um, when I first heard you were coming and they told me who you were, I had no idea what your background was really, okay? And I couldn't even remember uh, Bryant for the life of me. So every time somebody said <laughs> – Neither know, could he. Na- I just said, oh, his name's Glenn. What's his last name? glenn i can't really remember you know <laughs> and uh and and i did no background search whatsoever you know i probably should have vetted you a little bit <laughs> you, you know found anything like well that. and then but then uh, mr sanders over here who's my expert on all things background and infiltration Trust uh, he uh, everything sure. yes, he does he's a genius so the association focuses on hard work honesty and determination that can conquer all obstacles so Talk to me about that. I mean, you were the youngest recipient.
4: Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, it's been around for how long? 70, 70, almost 75 years. Five years. And, you know, they they induct about 10, 10 to 12 recipients a year. And it's, uh, they say the closest thing to be knighted in the United States. It's done in the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas puts the medallion on. It's the only non-judicial act in the Supreme Court. And... Uh, it's everybody from Ronald Reagan to Oprah Winfrey, Oprah to Condoleezza Rice. When I was uh, inducted in, it was in 2011, and you know I couldn't believe that I got into this organization with the amount of um, philanthropic people because it's really about people that have come from adversity and have started with nothing and have been able to... Um, you know, rise above that, and then give back to society. And that's really what it's about from that side. But what's really why I still am involved and I'm very proud of the organization is because then what they do is um, they give scholarships to to needy uh, high school students students that have gone through severe adversity themselves. So last year there was something like 50,000 applicants, and we do about 3,500 scholarships a year. And um, then we have a core group of 105 that are national scholars that come to this event, uh, the one big event in Washington, D.C., where we induct every year. And it's just three-day, amazing event. Um, And it's more about the scholars. It's about, you know, seeing their lives. And these people are the ones, they're gonna be the leaders, tomorrow's leaders. I mean, they've been through severe adversity, yet they use education as their way out. You know, they don't, um, they're not a victim You know, they're they're, uh, people that believe that they just want to get out and not repeat the habits of their parents or their siblings. These kids
3: come from some of the most severe adverse backgrounds you've ever seen, and they are in families when many times the siblings have gone into the system and gone into the prison systems and drugs and alcohol and pregnancy and streets, and then these kids somehow have something within them or have had a mentor, which is kind of the backbone of one of Glenn's philosophies, is finding a mentor who have seen potential in them, and they've risen above and made something out of their adversity, and that's what the organization really celebrates. It's really, it's the American dream. I mean, right. the core values of this com- this organization is that the American dream is live and well. And this show in particular celebrates that same philosophy. And that's why it's so appealing.
0: And two things here. American dream was basically the working title that we'd been going off of for the last 20 months until we found out it was undercover billionaire. Mm-hmm. Which, we like
3: that other title better. <laughs> well, it, yeah. <laughs>
0: it, it blew my mind when I saw undercover billionaire. I was like, what? You gotta be kidding me. That's
3: Mine too.
0: Now, getting back to the... Horatio Alger's award. And and everything we've kind of talked about so far, um, you know, we've talked about your success and wealth a little bit and uh, your giving back and what have you. And I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that we did get a little bit of kickback in Erie, Pennsylvania, some people that weren't too happy about how everything went down. And I think that the more people, background research people do on you, the more they will discover who you are, what you have done, the fact that they don't just hand out a Horatio Alger awards to anybody and the fact that why would an individual invest at least two years of his time only to come into a town and make it look bad, make us look like rubes or country bumpkins, and make us look like we don't know what we're doing, making it look like it's just torn town and then you're going to build us back up. And these are some of the things that have been going on out there. And I personally know, and this is why I have supported this project 100% because that is not the case whatsoever. Speaking on that, I would, like, first, Dawn, if you don't mind commenting on that. But what are your feelings on, basically, any kickbacks or negative press you've heard so far?
6: I've, I've heard a lot of negative press. Um, it was probably <sighs> very stupid of me to search social media and read some of the comments. And, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I did that one way. day. Like, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have done that. There was definitely some sort of stigma attached to this. And once they see the show and—because— these people weren't involved with the show they didn't know what was going on and you know what we didn't really know what was going on either but we just went with it this show is not tearing Erie apart it has not done anything but show Erie in a positive light we are just like every other small town usa small city northeast is small town but you know glenn came in and did an amazing thing and he took local people and it was literally just, RJ equates it to he would have had a better chance winning the lottery than than getting this. Um, he did an amazing thing for Erie. He took small business owners who had never met each other, put us together and, and we built something for this town. Is it just a restaurant? Yeah, but it's Erie's restaurant. And there's been a lot of pushback with that as well. Um, I just feel like once people see the show, they're going to be like, oh, I get it now. Like, it, it's not a bad thing. And just the negative commentary, it's to be expected anywhere Correct. when people are ignorant to what's actually going on. And, and once people
0: find out money's involved, they get really, there's always seems to be a division. Well, At least money, that's my experience.
6: Yeah. <sighs> money
0: is really are the you are, Jay. What do you think?
5: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Go drink coffee. Uh, yeah. like that in many words. Um, I mean, from what I've seen, most of the negative feedback is coming from people who had an opportunity to be involved with this but chose not to because they didn't know the whole story. Um, so I'm just going to put that out there. But you didn't know the whole story. I didn't know the whole no? story. Some of us are risk takers. Exactly. That's what yep. I wanted to talk about. It is wasn't about. It wasn't about what's in it for us. Like maybe some of these other people had hoped for. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have those negative people, like Don was saying, no matter what you do. Um, you know, myself alone, you know, I closed down my store for the last month, month and a half, and nowhere in my announcement of it did I say I'm closing down for good. I just said I'm taking a hiatus. I'm going to regrow uh, with, in my head, plans of opening a new store shortly. And I mean, that alone, I mean, people took that as. I sold out for a billionaire, and I sold you know my locally owned you know company that I gave my whole life for to some guy who didn't need my money, and I invested my money. My yeah. favorite
0: rumor was that you received a $100,000 check.
5: <laughs> I'm still waiting for it. Let's <laughs> um, um, spell that one immediately. You
6: know, I, I don't oh, understand no, how then, that rumor but, even got but, started. Well,
5: because then I also posted a picture of it on Instagram. You did. I it. Yeah, I did. Oh, is that I don't out? know. I, I just started following you I'm
6: on Instagram, driving. so I'll have to look back <laughs> no. through. <laughs>
5: um, yeah
2: how about you Matt so for me it's been uh, pretty interesting there's I, when we talk about this my, my mind goes in a bunch of different directions right so the first thing I think about is think about being afraid of the dark right It's it's not you know, we all know that some monster is not going to come out of the corner and eat you, right? But, you it's, sure? <laughs> but it's what you don't know. It's what you don't see. And your mind just goes nuts. And, and you just go to those worst case scenarios because it's your survival instinct, right? And I see that over and over and over with the comments and the, and the commentary and that sort of thing. And one of the things that's been most frustrating for me, and I, and I think that everybody else uh, shares this, is there's so much more that goes on throughout the show and in the final reveal, we even found out about more things that happened that, that we even knew about, right? And I'm not talking about us finding out who Glenn is. There's other stuff. And we're not allowed to talk about it still. So when I'm walking around town and I'm talking to people and, and they start going that negative direction, the only thing I can do is say, uh, we opened a building that was closed. We're employing over 50 people. We're doing great and look up Horatio Algiers. that's that's all i can say but i can't wait to get to that last episode when we talk about these other things and and that's going to be great and the other thing that for me personally um we we talk about throughout the show how uh, i have ptsd from from previous things and and one of the issues that you have with that is um we're generally quick to anger and so yesterday actually it bit me because um you know this has been such a positive experience and and a lot of people i know have all said that i've i've made these great changes because of it um and somebody had a negative negative uh something negative about the show and it caught me so off guard and i just immediately got mad and they backed off and i said look the people that are making these comments don't know anything they're talking about and to to think that i would be involved and use my name to introduce people to the show for something negative that that really hits home personally. Totally, you know? I totally agree with that, statement. Yeah, and the last thing was it, it was interesting that the crew um, through this whole thing I was pretty stoic, and uh, and at the very end they actually got me to to cry. So um, that's something else that you get to see at the at the end too. So <laughs> all these positives, right?
6: <laughs> the show is just so multifaceted. There's so many like. There's so many different challenges that we overcome and and you can see, at least I know for me, because I can see what I went through, how I grew as a business owner, how I grew personally, how I built relationships, and none of that had anything to do with Glenn being a billionaire. None of it. I had no clue. He was a man who came to town. And I'm not originally from Erie. I'm originally from Cleveland, although I call myself an Erieite because I've lived here longer than I lived at home. I moved up here after high school for college. And then I moved from Mill Creek over to Northeast and flat out opened a business and expected everyone to just come support me and buy from me and love me and, you know, embrace me. And they didn't because. I was a new person coming into a small town. And I felt that when Glenn came to town and and he's like, this is what I want to do. And will you help me? I was like, absolutely, because I have been in your shoes and I'm not the type of person who well, I really don't ever say no, but I knew I had to help. I wanted to help him. I wanted to help him succeed because nobody was there to help me succeed. Now, little did I know, but. That was a goal for me.
2: Well, and that's something, too, that, that what you'll see in the show is Glenn asks us all to step outside of our comfort zones. Right? Right. But in my view, from, from what I saw, I think you were asked to step the farthest outside of your comfort zone. Oh, me? And, yeah, and the stuff that you had to learn and bring oh, together. Oh, God. And, <laughs> you know, so it, that, it's going to be interesting to see how they cut that together. But we know the work you put I in.
6: I don't know. I'm terrified. I am so terrified because I, I spent every night in tears. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? But one of the things that Glenn has always said is that the, the challenge and the struggle, you grow more. Like it's an opportunity for growth, and it, it really was. It really is, and I'm so grateful for having this opportunity and the vehicle to do some things that had been on my business and personal bucket list that I wouldn't have no, ever been able to do.
2: A little behind the scenes that uh, that the show didn't capture or anything like that is, you know, Glenn gave us these these projects and um, they were all very short timetable. (laughs) Um, and, and they were all bigger than what we thought, you know, originally. Right. So, um, so I put out an email for a little while, um, that was basically trying to, just trying to keep everybody apprised what was going on. And, and, uh, I tried to put something funny in there too, because there, there was a lot of stress, right. But it was all positive stress in a way. And I remember the one day it was, uh, National Life Insurance Day. And so I called that out in the email and I said, uh, I'm putting this one in here for Dawn because I know she's super stressed and, you know, she might have just taken out a new life insurance policy for the kids if this doesn't work out, you know. And what I was
4: going to say is that, um, you know, I didn't pick Erie, right? I mean, the they picked Erie. They dropped me off somewhere I'd never been before. And my goal wasn't to go in and, make anyone look bad. I was thinking about the fact that I thought that this country is a great country and you could start over with absolutely nothing and build a business or build yourself up. Whether you want to try to get a job promotion, whatever you want, you have access to, um, to growth in this country. And so uh, I set out just to prove that the country is a great country. And we landed in Erie, and the first thing I knew that I needed to do was build a team of people. And what I found from Erie, because I didn't know anything about it, was how many hardworking, dedicated, strong people there are. And the show will reflect that. And then all that it did is highlight this underdog city, this city that is working itself Out, uh, you know, pulling itself up by the bootstraps. It's, it's, it. I am very proud that I that of the city. I'm very proud of every one of you guys for helping and saying yes and 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 realizing that you want it to make the city better. And so, when I look back, I go, how lucky to be dropped off in a wonderful place like this, right? To highlight the people and 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 how they have taken back the city from you know when all industry kind of was leaving, and now all these entrepreneurs are coming in. So I found that something I'm very proud to be a part of this. Now, the other night I was, uh, I flew in, it was probably like 11.30 midnight, and I got an Uber, or yeah, I think an Uber driver took me to um, the hotel, and I said, what's going on in the city? And they said, oh, you know, a bunch of people are pissed off about, uh, about a, uh, hog th- uh, motorcycle thing. Oh,
2: yeah, motorcycle
4: show. Yeah. Um, yep. A big motor, it was outside. You we're know, this- on the shore. We're on the shore. There's controversy about this and that. But what's really good is they just did a show here <laughs> uh, <laughs> in, in Erie and we're really excited about it because we're going to be now known as the real... As a real city that's really doing well, because before we were known as this drug city because of the pizza box guy or something. Pizza box guy. <laughs> pizza bomber. Um, so, bomber. so if you think about it, and I go right back to those the haters, right? If we had just gone over to Cleveland, if we've just gone somewhere else, you'd still be known as the pizza box guy or whatever it is, right? And so, all I know is we highlighted this city and all the wonderful things about it. That was all it was about. There had been a few things that had happened that um, it would have been really easy to turn it negative or to show uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, not such a good side of, of uh, some people or whatever. And they chose to not follow that story because that wasn't what it was about. You know, It was about, about people that are working so hard to, to make this city a great city. And so I'm real proud of it. And so the people that to, to their point earlier that don't know, they just don't know. And and then there are some people that didn't get involved and maybe a little bitter, who knows, but you're always going to have that. So. Right, exactly.
3: I think also like just to expand upon that, I think what Glenn the sentiment a lot of people feel there are there is a lot of mistrust in media and production there's a lot of shows out there that are gotcha shows that will catch you know that are trying to alter reality and alter the truth and show people in a not so pleasant light i mean it's everywhere online on and Correct. you know people are mistrustful of that they they just don't
4: know what's going to happen and as it should be a lot yeah. of times you know i mean that's
3: <clears throat> i agree with that understandably so you just you don't know what direction it's going to go and and i think what i would like to support in glenn's principles and the philosophy of a success is that he has never allowed fear to get in the way His decisions, and a lot of times, risk taking involves a huge amount of fear. And pushing through that fear often can reward incredible light. And look, you know, turning the light on is what is making a choice to go into fear. And so, I think that's a lot of people will be upset, maybe with themselves, of not taking that choice and that risk. And maybe that's just a reminder to say, "Hey, next time, maybe step into the dark and see what happens." But I
4: understand there are a lot of gotcha shows, and and people were leery and. And when I couldn't explain who I was or, you know, there's a couple people I felt really bad because they were right to have an instinct that something was there was more to the story. And I could tell and they didn't want to get involved. And that was OK. I understood that. And they're, they're not bad people. Right. They just didn't want to. Well, there was doubt. Yeah, there was doubt. Some
0: of them said they didn't want to give away trade secrets or something right. like that. So I actually had somebody who said, I don't want to be portrayed as the drama queen or the drunk or something like that. And first of all, I was thinking, one, this isn't that type of show, which right. I didn't know that, but had the strong feeling it wasn't. Second of all, if that's your what you're thinking, then that kind of has to do with you, not with what's going to be going on. Right. And if you can't control the fact that you're – a drama queen or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Then that's a reflection on yourself.
4: Yeah, you know. Right. And
0: that's just my take on it. But, but, um, but
4: there were some people that had businesses, and I think they thought they could look poorly because you can twist anything in right. some of these gotcha shows. And they were right to have instincts, um, but I felt bad because I knew it was such a – A good show and I wish that they could have been highlighted. But but you know, it's okay. You know, it is what it is.
0: Well I know I signed a release that said you guys can basically do whatever you want to with the footage that I have and I was kinda crossing my fingers you'd paint me out to be a villain. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'd be like that'll be me. I know it's not true. (laughs) But that would be just so cool to be like. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What do you say? What do you mean? That would have been you. What happened? And that's sort your of thing. I don't want to get into the storyline or give anything away. But, of course, there's got to be some drama and conflict with any show. I mean, it is what helps move this well, plot I think, along.
6: I think once people realize the position that I was put in, um, like, I called Matt in tears a lot. And Chris Trot, I called. I oh, would yeah, not Chris have Trott. made it through.
0: Got a shout-out to Chris Trott. Yeah.
6: Right. I wouldn't have made it through this without either of them. Like... I would call on my way home every day. Like, what is going on? What am I doing? Why am I ruining my life? And I I think Glenn is actually scared of me. Um. Well, let
4: me tell you. What you don't know, don't. What you didn't know, I'm sorry. My wife can attest to this. I have never fought with anyone more than my interior designer. You mentioned ever. that to me. I mean, oh. we would have... The worst fights, and I couldn't do that with you because of one reason. I wasn't supposed to have ever had an interior (laughs) designer. I'm like, (laughs) so I'm going. If you, she has no idea how bad I want to just like. It's the worst.
3: It's awful. They call me. They're like, how can we get this couch covered?
4: You know, it's like. It's always no about the damn idea. couches, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so you got off light. Really? Yeah. It, oh okay. my You have
6: goodness. no idea. Oh, good.
4: Yeah.
5: Oh, thank God.
6: Yeah. <laughs> but but really, like, it, about halfway through, I'm like, okay, I my my woman's intuition just started to kick in, and I'm like, something is just off, something is wrong, and then at the big reveal, I was like, oh. <laughs> You're an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> you do that to me. I, I wasn't. I would never hit you. A... That's
5: great. Never. I so, would. I would have. Yeah. RJ, pipe in. To him. You did. What's up? Yeah. I
0: thought you were about to pipe in.
5: Oh no, I'm just leaning Okay. <laughs> so,
2: so, Stu, part of the the podcast here is for some of the students at Edinburgh and and other people that are interested in film and that sort of thing. So, um some of the behind the scenes stuff was, um, you know, after the show was was done wrapping, or, or had wrapped, um, you know, we know RJ and Don and, and Glenn went out to L.A. and, and they did the, I'm, I'm not sure what that show was. The
6: TCA's, it's the Critics Association. I had no idea what it was either.
2: So, so what was interesting about that was I saw a, uh, a, a brief afterwards, I think Melinda put it up, and and what they were saying was that this, this represents a new way for reality shows to work. And maybe you guys can, can fill that in better than I can, but what I took from that is exactly what we've been talking about. So many of these reality shows are gotcha shows, which Glenn was just saying, but that the way that this was filmed, and it was in a positive light in and in a positive thing, that the, that group um, was saying how this is a, a new dawn, I guess, or a new way to film a reality TV. I heard the buzzword was a do-good show.
6: A do-good yeah, okay. show, yeah. Well, there's a lot of do-good shows out there, and like like Undercover Boss is a do-good show. There's a lot of do-good reality shows out there. This takes that, and it's, it's so much more than that, because it's also educating people, educating people on Glenn's principles and how he does things. It's really more than just a do-good show. It's positive well, on it's so also, many levels.
4: Um, there's lots of failure in there. There's lots of successes in there. I mean, life isn't a straight line, you know. Right. And so I, you don't have a lot of time in those other shows to kind of show the arc of success. And when I mean success, that's that doesn't have to be financial success, right? I mean, I'm proud of what we did. We We did something and fell a lot right and that's part of life you know you just and I think a, I think a lot of people see um, people that have done fairly well and think it was easy you know and then when you realize holy cow you know if, if you're ever going to do something be prepared for a lot of pain if you really want to make it in life you think of the things you're most proud of they usually didn't come you know, with a perfect straight line up, you know, they've taken some tumbles and and we've definitely took a lot of starts. A straight line is boring. Yeah, it's boring too. (laughs)
0: that's been our episode. Remember, you can buy tickets for High Life at FilmSocietyNWPA.org or at The Door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Next week, August 12th, is part two of our discussion with the cast and crew of Undercover Billionaire. August 19th, we'll be joined by Sharon Dale of Penn State University. She's the program chair of Digital Media Arts and the Greater Erie Arts Rental. Erie Gives 2019 will take place on Tuesday, August 13th between the hours of 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. All you have to do is go online at eriegives.org and select Film Society of Northwestern, PA as your charity of choice that day. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Green. This podcast was recorded at Cam Erie and is produced by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.